Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. Our guest today is Rosemary Twerk. Rosemary is the founder and president of Direct Steel and Construction. She has decades of experience in real estate development and construction and is a state of Illinois appointee to the Small Business Development Center Advisory Board. Rosemary has received so many recognitions for her accomplishments. I personally met Rosemary through a WeBank organization and have been so impressed with her over the years as we've gotten to know each other. Welcome, Rosemary. Thanks, Susan. It's nice to chat with you. How did you get started in construction, Rosemary? I know that it's so unique in what you do. And maybe you want to also share not only how you got started in construction, but what services does your direct stealing and construction firm offer to people? Tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in your journey and what led you to that, and then and a little bit about your firm currently. Now, I appreciate that opportunity, too, to share our story because this is, like most people, it's not a career path that I mapped out. I mean, real quick, my marketing advertising major out of Indiana University and out of school, I was hired by Black & Decker, and Black & Decker had me travel in all south and Mason-Dixon line, and I did well, and they promoted me, put me in Boston, and I got recruited away from there by an independent manufacturer's rep agency and brought to Chicago, and I was born and raised in the Chicagoland area. So at any given time, I'd represent 12 to 15 different manufacturers, again, really feminine products, toolboxes, abrasive wheels, adhesive and lubricants, and I did very well well. And in that time frame, I met my husband. We got married. We started talking about having kids and both of us felt it was important one of us stay home. In 1988, it didn't matter that I was the major breadwinner. Guys just did not stay home. So I helped him start his company. After a couple of years, it was clear that he'd be able to at least pay the bills. And I got pregnant. I'm on my way to work and I kept passing a dilapidated building. And I came home one day and told him I put an offer in on it. I got rehabbed it, I'm pregnant, I'm working, and I'm able to secure a tenant, and the tenant was a bank. And if you've ever had a bank as a tenant, it's a really good gig. So <laughs> I'm looking at this pro forma, and I'm like, wow, this is an opportunity. So we were blessed with two daughters who slept 12 to 14 hours a day, and I kept buying more buildings and either fixing them up or renting or selling them, and I did it again and again, and the projects got larger. And... It started doing it, buildings with this, putting additions on and ground up construction, shopping center. And so over the course of decades, I created a couple development companies. In 2004, I started direct steel and construction, being asked by other people to build for them. 2005, I cannot tell you what inspired me to do it, but I put a three-day ad in the Chicago Tribune listing most of my real estate holdings and they sold. In retrospect, I didn't realize that that was the peak of the market. So when the economy crashed in 2008, 2009, I'm looking at my business plans and I'm looking at direct and I'm like, you know, I've never marketed this company. I think I can do something with it. But who was building at the depths of the recession? So I followed the money and the American, the federal government had infused the economy with American Recovery Act money. So those were government projects. So I followed the money and quickly learned that getting government work is kind of like getting your first job. You can get the work as long as you get the experience, but you can't get the experience until you get the work. So I got a list of 660 Department of Defense prime contractors, 
I called everyone and got one opportunity to be a prime subcontractor to build a flight simulator facility at Creech Air Force Base, Nevada. And that led a little work with the Army Corps of Engineers, Department of Energy, NAFAC. 2012, the private stuff started coming back. So we've done work for firms like Navistar, Unilock, TC Industries, Intermatic. And now we've got this really nice balance between both public and private work. And then you had asked about the services that we perform. Direct Steel and Construction offers three services. We're commercial general contractors, we're construction managers, and we're owner's representatives. So essentially, we build buildings. And our focus is low-rise, non-residential construction. So things like restaurants, retail, office, industrial, institutional, educational, recreational. And both within that focus, two different market segments, that federal government contracting, and then the private stuff. And I'm happy to share more with regard to our private stuff and the value that we provide to our clients, really educating them on how to build their net worth through their company's real estate. And, you know, when, you, when you're talking about direct steel and construction, and as you're sharing your journey and your story, it's resonating with me exactly what is happening to us in our world today in the fact that you saw opportunities and here the market did correct itself, and yet you said, what am I doing now? How would you say the challenges that you had back then, here you are, you're starting, your mom, and you're starting to really recreate yourself, and you were exploring, you really didn't have a roadmap, you began to create your roadmap. How would you compare those challenges when you were beginning to what you are seeing the challenges we're currently encountering today because your business, although you are direct steel and construction, there's so many synergies of people that are experiencing this. I just think it would be so valuable to talk to us a little bit about, you went through a lot of challenges. There were a lot of downturns back then, and yet you had to think out of the box. Can you share a little bit, Rosemary, with what you see maybe as some synergies of from the past to today? Yeah, I'd be happy to. In 2008, 2009, the challenges I was experiencing then are totally different than the challenges that I have now. And, and you know, I've listened to a lot of people speak, including multi-billionaires, who say that, you know, you think, oh, gosh, once I get it for this hurdle, it's going to be so much easier. There are always going to be hurdles. I don't, it, and I what these speakers you. have said, right? So, but it's the intensity of those hurdles and your resources I think in your leadership skills, I think are what changed. So in 2008, 2009, I was starting out and the banks were not lending. And so it was the challenge of how do you fund it? I went for a couple of years not paying myself, coming up with that business strategy, not knowing if it was going to work and then developing over time what that true value proposition is. And that's really difficult. A value proposition is not better, faster, cheaper, but it's truly how are you benefiting a need? How are you filling a need? And identifying that and what differentiates you is a game changer. And it's not only identifying it, but being able to articulate it in such a way where it resonates. So I'm a big fan of continuing education. I've done the Dartmouth Tuck Executive Program. They're one level and they're two level and they're Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program and the FBA Emerging Leader Program. I do those every two or three years just to force me to be super cognizant of working on the business as opposed to in the business. And each one of those programs, there's huge light bulb moments. But I think the biggest one overall is identifying truly what your value proposition is and being able to articulate it. 
And once that's done, then your target market is very, very easy to define. You notice your close rates it continue to increase. You notice your margins continue to increase. And once you've got that foundation down, to grow the company is so much more strategic as opposed to hopeful. I have to tell you, I can't agree with you more. I loved the idea of sharing that you do need to continue to work on the business and not in the business and that you've pushed yourself to make sure that you're involved in some of these more powerful programs out there that people can join, like entrepreneurs organizations out there, the Women's Presidents Organization, the WeBank. There are so many entities that it's not always even a large cost. And when you divide the, the amount that you would even pay to join an organization like that and what you reap from the education and also forcing us, I think, to think more creatively and to meet other women out there who are doing amazing things that we can look at and say, yes, that's not my business, but there are synergies that I can use in my own career. So I can't agree with you more, Rosemary. And I know for a fact you are one of the most giving women I know to other women. So that's a compliment of not only are you building your own business, but you're always so inquisitive and wanting to know about other people's businesses. But there's something that I always have admired in you, and that's that you actually entered a very, very male-dominated industry. Can you share how you decided that, yes, you could do this? What was going through your mind when you decided you were going to jump into the water and probably not look back and to break into this industry? And what do you see the differences of when you started quite a few years ago to currently today? And do you see more women coming in or and there's other industries similar to yours that are male-dominated. What advice would you give to women that are on a similar journey or have interest in areas that are not necessarily dominated by women? Sure. So let's start in, was getting into a male-dominated industry even a consideration? And I have to honestly tell you, I was oblivious to it. So I'm one of five <laughs> kids. Two of my three older siblings are brothers. And I was one of the guys. And so because I get asked this question so often, it did give me time to think about it. And I don't know, it was about five years ago, and my brothers and sisters and I live across the nation, but we were together in Princeton, not too far from your stopping grounds. We were all together, and I turned to each of my brothers and who were seated on each each side of me and, and said, you know, you guys, I really owe you a lot of thanks. And they look at each other like, you know, I've never done anything intentionally nice to her. Have you? No. But, <laughs> and, and I said, no, I no, no. I have older brothers, so I understand this one. You get it, right? And I said, no, 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 I really do. I said, you know how frequently you'd have people, your friends over, and we'd play baseball and football and basketball. And one, you never thought not to include me, but two is the two of you would be the team captains and all the rest of us would line up and then you'd pick your team one at a time. You always pick me first or second. And one brother said, well, I didn't pick you first because you were my sister. I picked you because you were fast. And my other brother said, well, I picked her because she could catch the ball, not because she's a girl. And I said, that's exactly it. You picked me because of what I brought to your team what kind of contributions I could provide. And without knowing it, either you knowing it or me knowing it, that's a life lesson that I believe has served me really well. So when I got into either working for Black & Decker as an independent manufacturer's rep or development or construction, being male-oriented wasn't even a consideration of mine. It's, can I do this? Can I provide value? 
And, you know, when I first got into the industry as a developer, I was developing my own stuff. So the only person I had to provide value to was me. And as I got into construction, the more I'm in construction and the more I understand how my real estate development world provides vast value to these small and mid-cap companies who are spending, let's say, 20 to 35% of their working capital expenses on real estate and helping them maximize the return on that money, it's building that worth, yeah. right? So a lot of businesses, yeah. and you know that M&A world, a lot of businesses sell, but businesses sell more easily typically if they have real estate attached to it and for higher multiples. And you're basically doubling, in some cases, a business owner's net worth. So I don't know a lot of general contractors that bring that perspective to their clients. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I always say the same thing. I'm in a male-dominated industry, but I also had two older brothers. And you're right. We didn't know any different. And we came from a family of four kids, and we were outside. And you're right. You picked your teams according to who did the best job, and then you everybody's would strive to make sure they were picked. <laughs> yeah. Not they got they got better at what they did. Yeah. And it didn't matter age or category. And then I went off to an all women's college and we didn't have men in the college, so we had to do everything. You know, we were the presidents of the class and things. So I always say I didn't realize that I couldn't be when I graduated. I thought, well of course I can be <laughs> So I think that those are certain gifts. I agree with you. In the journey sometimes we are very blessed that we're given these opportunities and gifts that we don't even know at the time are gifts. And we sometimes call them aha moments. We just don't know we're having one. But I can't thank you enough today for sharing your journey and also allowing other women to see someone who took nothing and created such success. I mean, driving down the road and seeing an empty building and then from there launching such a successful career and then also giving back. I mean, the fact that you're giving back so much to your community in the small business development advisory board and things like that. I just want you to know I value your taking the time just to be with us today and to share some of those ideas. Well, Susan, not only is my pleasure, but you know I hold you in equally high esteem and appreciate your time and your efforts to share different stories with your clients and business owners with the hope that it may provide some benefit to them. Well, thank you, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Women's Wealth, The Middle Way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.